Welcome to the Next Level Income Show, where it's our goal to raise your income, investments, and your life to the next level. I'm your host, Chris Larson. Get your free copy of our book at nextlevelincome.com. Just click on the book link. Also, if you're an accredited investor, check out our invest link to learn how to gain access to our self-storage fund, as well as other institutional quality real estate opportunities. You're not going to want to miss today's show with Hannah Williams. She is going to teach you how Gen Z is different than the millennial generation and how you can use her information to not only find and recruit the best talent, but ultimately add value to your organization. On today's show, we have Hannah Williams. Hannah Williams' story began in a blue pickup truck when her father handed 12-year-old Hannah the phone and asked her to close a deal on an investment property. After this unexpected introduction to the world of entrepreneurship, she found herself thrust into a climate of innovation, challenge, and opportunity, and she enrolled in college at the age of 14, graduated with a degree in international business at 18, and now as a 23-year-old Gen Zer, she has consulted businesses from startups to Fortune 500 companies and is on a mission to help leaders leverage Gen Z talent as a competitive advantage and build radical empathy in the workplace. Today's show is sponsored by Money Insights and their Investment Optimizer Strategy. In my book, I share how I use the same strategy starting over a decade ago to invest my money in two places at one time. This strategy has been used by the wealthiest for generations for estate planning, minimizing taxes, preserving wealth, and increasing stability for their investments. Now you can do the same thing. In addition, you can build a plan to build an emergency fund, pay for college, fund a business, plan for retirement, and ultimately optimize your total financial picture. To find out more information, check us out at the banking link at nextlevelincome.com. Hannah Williams, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. I'm excited to be here on this beautiful day, cooped up in the studio. Hey, it's cooler in here. Yeah. And you know, normally we would be doing this live. We've met in our office in our studio in downtown Asheville. But over the past year, we've, we've totally revamped what we've d- done. My wife and I, my family moved into a new house and we were talking about how I built out a, a studio here in my office. So It um, looks beautiful. Mate, hey, I, I hope to see it sometime. Yeah, absolutely. But man, the, the audience is in for a treat today. As I was saying in the introduction, you know, Hannah, you and I got introduced through the real estate investing world in Asheville. And I had no idea how young you were. And when we met, I remember asking you, which you're not supposed to ask women. And, but then when you told me your age and what you did, I was like, you have got to come on our podcast and share your story and what you're doing with our audience. We've got some exciting news about your new book that's coming out later this month. We're going to tell the audience all about that too. But before we get into that, please share with the audience a little bit more about your background, your story, how you got to the point where you are today. Absolutely. Well, my story, as you know, Chris, is, is my family background's a little untraditional. But um, as you mentioned, I am a 23-year-old Gen Zer. And if we look back at what I consider to be the beginning of my story, it was when I was 12. And my dad, as, as many investors here know in the, in the Asheville, North Carolina community, has been in real estate for, oh gosh, 22, 23 years, pretty much ever since I can remember and I remember one day, 12 years old, and back in you know, that time period, you still went door to door to collect rent from your tenants, right? So I was in the back of his blue pickup truck and we're bouncing down the highway. It's a hot day. 
I'm a studious student, you know, sitting in the back of the truck trying my homework done. And my dad, out of the blue, just randomly hands me his cell phone. And he says, hey, Hannah, phone's ringing. The guy at the end of the line wants to sell his house and you're going to close the deal. And I just remember being freaked out of my mind, right? I mean, you have kids. Can you know, I'm sure you've probably pondered this crazy idea that my dad had for me. But he handed me that phone. I had no clue what I was doing. And I it, uh, just because I trusted him and I fumbled through this call. But sure enough, two weeks later, we had the house under contract and parents actually still own it. It's a, a duplex. How about here that? Yeah. So that was kind of my first introduction to the world of business and entrepreneurship. And really ever since then, you know, fast forward two years from, from that experience, I am in, ended up enrolled in online college when I was 14 and graduated 14. with my, yeah, yes. Well here, I'm Chris, I'm sure you're not, uh, you're not thinking maybe along the same lines, but you're probably considering like, what are some alternate options for my kids besides, you know, traditional? Oh, absolutely. And that's a very Gen X parent thing to do, which I absolutely love. But my parents, you know, really encouraged me and my six younger siblings to think, what are some alternatives to traditional college? So I ended up enrolling in online college when I was 14 and graduated with my bachelor in international business at 18. So here awesome. I am, you know, I just flew through college because I just wanted to get, you know, a business degree, get it out of the way. I knew I, I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I needed to get some experience in the corporate world first. So I actually ended up working with a wonderful company here in Asheville, uh, Biltmore Estate. And yeah, I a lot of people worked. know that, even if you're not yes. from Asheville. Yes, it's amazing how just the brand is. Brand is actually an international brand, which you know many of us locals wow. take for granted. So because of the influence of the brand, you know all these leaders would come to Biltmore to the estate and the winery and get the incredible guest experience. And then they would ask Biltmore's leaders, "How do you do this? You know, how do you create such incredibly happy and engaged employees?" So I actually joined a division of the company at 18 where I went out and with other Biltmore leaders and consulted healthcare companies, financial services companies, real estate companies in how to take that employee engagement from Biltmore and transfer their business. So, you know, awesome. here I am at 18, I found myself sitting at the bar usually with my sparkling water because <laughs> I couldn't drink. <laughs> And uh, I'm sitting there with my sparkling water talking with all these incredible leaders from the boomer generation and from Gen X. They all ask me this question you know, all the time of what is the problem with you millennials? You know, I'm the only young person sitting in the room. That's that question. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they were asking me, you know, why can't I retain you? You're so hard to find. You know, why do you want six month maternity leave the second you walk in the door? Like, what is your problem? And what was interesting, Chris, is I didn't really find myself resonating with a lot of the challenges that these leaders were sharing with me. And I saw many of my fellow, you know, 20 to 25 year olds entering the workplace and they didn't really exhibit the same habits either. So it mm -hmm. begged the question, why am I so different from these millennials that, you know, all these leaders were speaking about? So I did my homework. I went back, you know, back home and I started researching my generation. Why is Gen Z so very different? And so fast forward to the present day, I have had a wonderful journey of now five years of researching 
Generation Z and speaking with hundreds of leaders and Gen Zers from across the country, actually also in the UK and Australia. So a little bit of international um, presence there. And really at the culmination of this, I realized, you know, leader asking me so many questions about how do I recruit and attract, retain and engage the best and brightest Gen Z talent. I said, why not write a book? You know, why not put this out there and help more leaders gain access to this information? So I now have the privilege, my book is coming out in this month, later in the month. It's really exciting for me. Um, It's called A Leader's Guide to Unlocking Gen Z. And it will be out soon. But really, you know, my passion and my work is is seeing companies take these principles and use them competitive advantage. You know, the companies right now who are getting ahead of the talent curve and and understanding Gen Z are positioning themselves to be the, the greatest competition in, you know, 10 to 15 years. Yeah. No, that's that's awesome. And you know, what struck me, Hannah, and it was it was really interesting, you know, going back a little over a year ago before the pandemic, or actually maybe it was it wasn't even that far, but I started getting phone calls. I started getting connected with all these individuals. And like I said, I asked you how old you were, and it was because I'm in this string. And I I asked a couple of people and they said, I'm 23. And then I hired somebody. He was 23. He's one of the best hires I've ever made. Another individual. He's 23. Another another uh young lady, she's in the real estate business here in Asheville as well, 23. I'm thinking, what is going on? So when you told me you're 23, I was like, what is up with this? There really is a difference. So for people that are listening and they're here, they hear baby boomers, they hear Gen X, which I'm a Gen Xer. What's interesting is my sister's only a few years younger. She for sure is a millennial. Do you mind kind of telling the audience what, like, I'm thinking like Gen Xers, we're in our forties right now. We're baby boomers. You know, most people know they're in their fifties and sixties, right? Where's the cutoff between Gen X, millennials, and Gen Z? Yeah, let's break it down. So if you have an employee or child who is between ages 9 and 25, they're mm-hmm. likely a Gen Z. If you is generally 25, 40, roughly. Yeah. And then, of course, there's the generation after Zers, which we, we're not yet talking about, but that's yeah. generation alpha. So way to distinguish if someone you know, is on that bridge, maybe they're 24, 25, 26, something like that. But the real yeah. way to distinguish if they're truly, you know, which category they're in is to ask them, did 9-11 significantly influence your childhood? Interesting. And if they say yes, they're likely a millennial. You know, I, I was three when 9-11 happened. I don't remember anything about it. I don't remember where I was standing. I don't even remember my parents mentioning anything about it to me until much later. So what influenced me more as, you know, if you think about socioeconomic or political factors, was more domestic terrorism. It was school shootings or the mm. economic instability from 2008 recession and COVID most recently. So if you're trying to decide, you know, does my child fall which category if they're kind of on that line, talk yeah. to them a little bit about, you know, what influenced you when you were growing up. No, that's, that's a great shortcut. So... Did 9-11 significantly affect your childhood? And you know, it's interesting if you look at the generations and you know, you look at the 60s, how they affected the baby boomers, you look at kind of our generation, and we talk about like MTV, like Gen X, the MTV generation. Mm-hmm. You look at millennials and I look at my kids, my youngest boy's nine. So it looks like, you know, they're they're probably on the cusp, both my boys. So I'm really interested to seeing, you know, how that is. What's interesting, you know, we were talking before the show, and there's some stuff, and I, I want I'm not gonna steal your thunder here. But there's some things that really 
to me, were kind of counterintuitive when it comes to Gen Z. So I'd love for you to give the audience a bit of a sneak peek into your book and talk about like how do you determine, you know, first we talked about some shortcuts, how do you determine who's a Gen Z versus millennial? And then really like what traits separate them from millennials? And I'd love to talk about, you know, how business owners, how hiring managers like, you know, myself could have used these strategies in our businesses to really attract talent and and help, you know, not only the employees, but also the businesses grow. For sure, for sure. So let's get broad ranging for a second and talk about five key distinctions between the generations. And then we can we can get into some actionable steps because I bet that most awesome. leaders and most listeners here are probably thinking, you know, oh gosh, I just, you know, modified for millennials. You know, we just got that going, that talent strategy. And now there's another generation, you know, where do I start? I actually want to take a second before we jump into this and yeah. say, I have actually developed a pulse check for anyone listening to this show, that if you go to my website, you can basically take this short pulse check, this you know, assessment to understand where are you right now in your talent strategy? You know, where do you need to focus? Because there's so many things, you know, you could talk about attracting Gen Z or recruiting or retaining or engaging. There's kind of, you know, those four broad categories, but you may be thinking as a business, where am I already doing well? You know, where yeah. where's the team excelling and then where am I not? So if you're not driving right now, take a second and go to hannahgwilliams.com slash... And we'll put this in the show notes, hannahgwilliams.com. Yes. hannahgwilliams.com slash... I put it on her name, Chris. So we'll just do um, slash Chris Larson. So just go there to the show um, notes and there'll be that pulse check. Assignment. And you can really gauge, you know, which of these areas are you doing well in and which ones are areas of focus you should be thinking about. Awesome. I'm checking that out right after we're done. Yeah, absolutely. So let's dive into these five areas because what I did in the book, Chris, and this, this will be helpful for any leader. I, I did a lot of research upfront before writing this book to see you know, what type of tool is the most helpful to a mid-level manager or even a, a founder of a business who really wants to get practical with Gen Z. So I broke it into 29 critical areas. Each chapter is very short. You know, It's four or five pages. And then at the end of every chapter, there's an exercise where you can take what you learned in the chapter and immediately make steps in the positive direction. So I like that. I know a lot of teams who've you know called me about this are taking their entire team using it as like a 29 week study where they'll read a chapter a week and then take the action steps, you know, on a Tuesday morning meeting or whatnot. That way, we're not just talking theoretically right now about, you know, five key differences. It's, it's nice to know about them, but what do you actually do with the information? And that's, that's what the book is for. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So let's dive in. Five key distinctions. Let's do it. So the first and really a primary way of thinking that, dis- that differentiates millennials from Gen Zers is that millennials were raised to think about the, the world in a very idealistic fashion versus Gen Z was raised to be pragmatic. So what I mean by that, and Chris, I know you're a testament as an ex-parent to this, is if you think back to my story with my dad and, and him handing me this phone and closing a real estate deal, he really taught me and many Gen X parents have taught their Gen Zers to be very pragmatic when it comes to how the world functions. So hmm. our thinking you know, and our thought process as Gen Zers we're kind of trained to see the world is our oyster. You know, we have a lot of opportunity, but it's going to take work and effort to get there. The world is challenging. 
we've seen, you know, I've seen myself as a business owner and other Gen Zers, I've certainly seen this, that if you try to start an online business, it's competitive. You know, there, yeah. it's not like you can just start something up and it's, you know, subscribers in a month, you know, and the world doesn't work in an easy way. And I, I think that that's a very important distinction to know when you're, when you're coaching or mentoring Gen Z is unlike millennials. And, and I know many listeners who uh, managed millennials have probably run into this. The reason the stereotype about, you know, snowflaking or whatnot <laughs> exists is because millennials were raised to be very idealistic, right? Their boomer parents were very positive about the world saying, you know, you can do anything, find your happiness, find your bliss, which many, you know, many of those things are, are very positive ways to approach the world. But of course, when reality hits you, you're likely to be d- disappointed. And I think that's what happened with millennials is many of them thought that the world would be easier than it is. And now they're, they're seeking, you know, whatever it is, a job or relationship or whatnot that fits this perfect mold of what they think they should be, uh, you should have or be entitled to have. Yeah. So I think that that distinction in the two is huge. You know, if you're, if you're managing a Gen Zer, they're likely going to approach work with a potentially their work ethic. I know you've seen that with the, you know, the 23 year olds that you've been hiring, like you mentioned, there's just a different way of looking at the world that Gen Zers seem to have. Yeah. And I've seen it. There's like a different work ethic there. It's like, they're more apt, I've noticed, to put in the work up front and be more accepting of failures or, or be a little more patient as well. I agree 100% with what you say. I've seen millennials a little more idealistic. You know, they're, and if something doesn't work out, they kind of they, they say, ah, this isn't working out for me. I want to do something different. And you think, man, like Simon Sinek has a great video talking about patience. He's talking about millennials. He's like, he's like you know, I'm talking to this young lady and She's really disappointed. She wants, you know, she feels like she hasn't been making an impact in this organization and they're not recognizing her for the contributions and she thinks she's going to leave. And Simon says to her, well, how long have you been there? And she says, three months. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So it's it's interesting that small, that difference, and it comes with just a a very, very subtle difference in years. So we're going to keep rolling through these. So that was the first key distinction. What is the second one, Hannah? Yeah. So the second is that Gen Z, although the assumption and the stereotype is already there, Gen Z is not tech lovers. We are tech natives, not tech lovers. That blows my mind. Yeah. 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 I mean, what is the stereotype? You think of all the Gen Zers constantly on their phones, families sitting around the table, everyone's on their phones, no one's talking. And yes, those things exist for sure. But, but to draw the distinction between Gen Z and millennials were kind of put into a position where they stumbled into technology, right? Mm. So they, they grew social media, came its way. They didn't really know what to do with it in a lot of ways, and they had to figure it out. Gen Z has been born into technology. But for us, even though, you know, yes, the teenagers exist and we use our phones all the time, and, you know, we're, we're constantly either connecting with people or on social media or networking or sending emails, whatever it might be, we don't love technology. We love what it does for us, but we view it as a means to an end. So, you know, if, if you think about like being, I don't know about your generation, Chris, but I certainly my grandparents, for them, you know, walking down the street after school one day, you know, picking up a, a piece of pie from their neighbor, neighbor's house, sitting on the porch for a five minute conversation, that was very typical for yep. their generation. So, if you can think about 
that type of mentality and apply it to technology for Gen Z, you're going to get a good grasp of how we view it. So it's something we take for granted. It's something we expect. And if companies are behind the times in it, we notice. However, we don't love it. So here is how it flushes itself out in recruiting as, as a specific example. When Gen Zers were surveyed and asked, where do you go to find jobs? Like when you were thinking about looking at a company or at an industry, where are you going for your job search? What percent of them said they're looking on social media? I'd say 90%. You think, right? Yeah, yeah. 32.3%. That's why I said it's totally counterintuitive. So It is. So, and, and in fact, social media advertising, at least for careers for Gen Z, is not effective. So How about that? where they are going, and this yeah. is what 61.9% said, is they're going to friends and family and referrals. We would Love much that. prefer to have that face-to-face, high-touch, personalized connection with someone in order to trust a company. So that is a huge distinction. We're also first generation, actually, well, not the first generation, but since it's been happening, and this is in high contrast to millennials, who is into career centers and job fairs in staggering numbers instead of clicking the apply button. Wow. And I love to hear that because I think that's one of the best things I learned when I was looking for a job was, I give this advice today, go find somebody that knows somebody within that company and work with them. And maybe because I'm a pragmatist. So that's, that's really interesting. So tech native, pragmatic. Tech native, pragmatic. Number yeah. three is that Gen Z, unlike as many millennials, is open to non-traditional education paths. So, I love that too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, the world is changing, right? I mean, we're talking now, with, especially with the job market the way it is, about yeah. how do we create talent instead of hire talent, right? And Gen Z is the perfect generation to focus those efforts on. Because if you think about it, other generations are, there's this embedding mentally that there, you have to you know, have a degree or at least you have to have a bachelor's and then you're pursuing your master's as a way to grow. Gen Z doesn't think that way. You know, if you think about, my story is actually not very unsimilar to many, many, many Gen Zers out there who are learning from TikTok. You know, yeah. they're able, I mean, take real estate as an example. You've got people like Dan Miles, who's a Gen Zer himself, who's in Alaska investing in rental properties using banks in the US. And these other Gen Zers are He's got, I believe it's almost 900,000 subscribers and they're going wow. and learning from him on TikTok. You know, I mean, it's Love it. exciting. Yeah. What's so, crazy is my nine-year-old, you know what he wants to be? You know, my, he's like, oh, I want to be a, I want to design cars. I want to be an engineer. I'm like, well, you probably have to get aerospace to design cars when, you know, you're my age. Uh-huh. But then you know what his second career choice is, Hannah? What's he wants that? to be a YouTuber. And yeah. that's, it's wild. It blows my mind, you know? So I see that. And he's and the things that they learn, my sons learn off of YouTube. They'll tell me stuff. I'm like, where? I was like, oh, did you learn that in school? No, I watched this guy on YouTube and they're learning about dinosaurs and history and it's phenomenal. And in a lot of ways, it's, it's better than school, oh, which, awesome. which is, you know, that's another conversation, which I know we've got into a little bit here. Um, yeah. So we're more than halfway through these differences. And I mean, I, I feel like we could do a show on every one of these. But there's, you said there's five and we're, we're only through number three so far. Yes. Yeah, so number four is that Gen Z is actually very similar to the generation before boomers, which was the silent generation in terms of our loyalty. So we're, and, and again, the, the oldest Gen is 25. So we have yet to see exactly how this will play out. 
But if you think about the distinction between Gen Z and millennials, Gen Z is more loyal than millennials were. Millennials were job hoppers, right? You know, the it's, hard average- not, it's hard not to be more loyal than a millennial, though, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Millennials held on average seven to 10 jobs by the time they were 30 versus Gen Z. Really? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's astounding. Gen Zers are showing that, well, at least 61% are saying that they would prefer to stay with a company for 10 or more years if the culture and the people they work with are in alignment with what they need. Wow. So there you go. Yeah. So you have basically a generation who, think back to understand back to the economic influences of what we've grown up with. If we've had two economic recessions in our short lifetime already, are so in need of stability in our life that if an employer can offer that stability in benefits or a story or learning and development or mentorship, if, if we are offered those items in a workplace, then we are very likely going to pay because unlike millennials, we didn't grow up with this idea that we had to find our bliss. We will instead want to grow with a team and actually learn things from them. So I would say, you know, and again, coming back to talent strategy, if you built your talent strategy around millennial job hoppers, then stop for a second and think about what this means for your company. Because what it, on one hand, what it means is you have something to look forward to. But on the other hand, what it means is you have to do an exceptional job at creating a culture and management and leadership styles that resonate with Gen Z. Because Gen Z, while we're the most loyal, we're also much more picky and selective than even millennials were. We expect, you know, personalization. We expect high standards. Sounds like my wife. She's very picky, very selective, <laughs> very loyal. <laughs> your wife's not Gen Z? <laughs> I don't know. She's, she's actually terrifically loyal. We've been together 20 years. So I'm kind of joking, but no, I'm very, very fortunate in that. So that is, that is fascinating. And let's pause for a second. So if you're a company and you've spent the last 10 years really trying to cater towards millennials to attract that talent, and now how do you straddle the two? How do you, how do you balance that, Hannah? So this comes down to what you're trying to accomplish, right? Okay. So if you're talking about recruiting, yeah. then I would say you're going to need messaging that is different for each of these offices. You know, if you're gotcha. targeting Gen Z, we need to get intentional about what that messaging looks like. Uh, one actually great example of this is if you look at military recruiting over the past few, you know, several decades, you're going to notice that the advertisements change heavily between mm. generations. So the, the type of messaging that resonated with millennials was very team focused, you know, come join this greater mission of this team that accomplish XYZ. But the messaging for Gen Z, and this actually brings us into point five of the distinctions, is very much focused on the individual. So Gen Z is very individually minded. We are not team minded. This can come with a lot of pros and a lot of cons, but it's important to note that. So, so back to your point, Chris, if, if you're looking at recruiting, I would highly suggest if you are a business with recruiting resources to separate the messaging when you're trying to reach Gen Z versus millennials. But when it comes to you know, communication in the workplace and engagement, having this awareness and this knowledge of what distinguishes the generations, 
I'm hopeful will give leaders a tool so that when you sit down that first week as a manager with your staff, you'll be have a different sort of conversation with your Gen Zer than you would with your millennial hire. And meeting those needs, you know, I would strongly suggest to leaders that if you have the tools in your toolbox, whether it's, you know, the discussion today or, you know, hundreds of other resources that I include in the book from, you know, other phenomenal brains on this or, you know, on LinkedIn or on on my website, you can take a look because there's many people who are talking about the different nuances of Gen Z versus millennials in terms of how they consume goods. A lot of that applies to, you know, how you have better conversations with, with the two generations. So I would say all of this, of course, down to the fact that we're all human and we yeah. all have core needs and those don't change no matter what the generation is. You know, we all want to be seen, heard and, you know, have a purpose. Those don't change. But what does change is that, you know, what we've grown up with and the, the political factors and the economic forces that have shaped us. So in talking about, you know, retention, I would say this comes down to the individual. So fill your box with as many tools and resources as possible so that when you have that conversation with them and and are mentoring these Gen Zers or millennials, you can mentally switch between the two and and, and straddle those two, to use your words, straddle the two generations and meet them where they are. I think that's great. And, you know, I was being in sales for almost 20 years, actually more than 20 years, if you kind of go back to my first job when I was 12, actually a little bit younger than that, if you count the trash I used to collect at our local beach. But we talked about different personality types. And it doesn't mean that you convey different information. It's just the way you convey that information. And I think that's, that's the important thing. If you understand that this is a layer on top of the way you communicate with somebody, Treating them as an individual, you know who they are, where they came from, their background, but also what their generation is and what what probably is important to them and resonates with them. This can be very valuable. Hannah, like I said, I mean this is this is so fascinating to me. I know a lot of listeners are thinking like I want more. So your book is coming out here um, just in a couple of weeks. I was fortunate enough to to check out your cover as you were selecting the cover. So I can't wait to get my own copy and read this. What's the best way for the audience to connect to you? Again, we're going to put your hannahgwilliams.com page up in the show notes. What's the best way for audience to get your book and stay in touch with you? Yes. So go to that unique link, the hannahgwilliams.com slash Chris Larson, and be a link to order or pre-order the book, depending on when you're listening to the episode. You'll also find links on there to, um, to my LinkedIn page where you can follow me. I post three tips a week for leaders on how to better attract, recruit, retain, and engage Gen Z talent and really become a community of people who are having better conversations about bringing radical empathy into the workforce between generations. That's the movement that I'm leading. So come be a part of it. Reach out to me personally. You can do that on my website. I am happy to help in any way that I can and you know, point you in, in the direction of resources or software or whatever that can help you with the specific needs you have when it comes to Gen Z talent. Hannah, I've been waiting to have you on the show for over a year now. It's been awesome talking to you. Awesome connecting again. I can't wait to read your book. Thank you so much for sharing all this with our audience. Thank you for having me, Chris. Hey, Chris here again. I hope you found this episode valuable. Now I have one more thing to gift you. We have a page for my coaching clients where you can get a free copy of my book, as well as much more from previous guests on the show. Just check out nextlevelincome.com 
slash coaching to get a free copy of my book, audiobook, and much more. I'll send you a copy of my book and cover all the shipping costs as a thank you for listening to the podcast. Also, please like, share, and take just 90 seconds to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts.